Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Ephesians chapter 5. So I started a sermon series last week called Be Harmony. How can we be in harmony in our homes? How do we stop the fight before it starts? Like we know, we know what causes family fights, arguments, disagreements, what gets us out of harmony, what hurts our uh, happiness in the home. We know what those are. We looked at one last week, money. Money's a, a big family issue. This week, I want to deal with another topic that causes us issues, and that is time. Where did the time go? Ephesians chapter 5. One of the reasons we don't have harmony in our homes is that we don't spend enough time together. All the research says that we're not spending the time together. And what's happening is we aren't managing our days well. Now, your counter argument would be, well, preacher, I just don't have enough time in the day problem is not my problem. The problem is I I don't have as much time as somebody else does. But we all, we know, have 24 hours in a day and 60 minutes in an hour. And we, we know, we know, we know deep down there's probably a little bit more we can do. Because what, what are we really spending our lives, our days doing? We have research on this. For example, let me tell you some of what we're doing This is your life. If you look at this jar up here, you maybe can't see all the colors I can see, but this represents your life that we spend so much time in bed and at work and on the screen and eating and holiday. Like all of that's here. 79 years or 28,835 days is about how many days the average person has. Well, how do we spend it? If you unpack your jar, you see it a little bit right there. That top line is how much time you spend in bed, and that second line is at work, and that third line is time spent on a screen, and then eating and vacation and exercise, you kind of get a picture. Let let me break it down a little bit more than that. How much time do we spend in bed? Throughout our lives, we spend an enormous 26 years of your life sleep. You say, what am I doing in my life? Well, you're sleeping a lot of it away, I'll be honest with you. And I love this, that not only do we spend 26 years of our lives asleep, we spend seven years of our lives trying to go to sleep. And I really feel like my wife and I are not good sleepers. We're probably reversed on that. I probably spend 26 years of my life trying to go to sleep and seven years of my life actually asleep. How much time do we spend at work? We saw all my time spent at work. Well, if you live to be about 80 years old, then you're going to spend 13 years and two months of your life at work. Listen to this generation. We spend 11 years and four months looking at a screen. You say, I don't look at my phone that much. No, that's, that's television. That's social media. You spend eight years of your life watching uh, a television, or I like to call it one good baseball season is about eight years long and three years of social media. You're going to spend four years of your life eating, four years and six months. Of course, for some of us, that's a little more than that, maybe some a little less, but you'll spend four years of your life eating. 
They call it holiday in Europe. We call it vacation. You'll spend maybe about three years of your life on trips and on vacation and then, and then uh, uh, exercising. I love it. We spend four years eating and one year exercising, but that sounds about right. Sounds about right. Now, it comes to our homes. We spend one year and 30 days in romance. That counts dating. That counts Valentine's Day. That counts what you do uh, once you get married. You spend about a year and a month, and then I love this. You spend about a year and a day socializing, meaning this. You spend as much time getting to know other people as what you do your own spouse. And then you, to prepare for all that, we spend less than one full year in school over our lives. We spend 235 days waiting in line, 115 days laughing. Women spend 136 days of their life getting ready. And you can't see it, but men spend a third of that, 46 days getting ready. What's left of your life? You have eight years to do whatever else you want to do. Commuting, cleaning, going to the movies, running races, tell so, so much more. That's your life. Where did your time go? That's where your time went. Where in all of that? Between the things I have to do, where, whether I'm at work or in the bed or, or trying to go to sleep or eating, all those things I have to do, where could we carve out family time? Because here's what we know. Our families are not getting the time they deserve. As a matter of fact, research shows us that the American family spends 37 minutes of quality time together per day. Now, quality time does not have to mean that we're just sitting looking each other in the eyes. It's just meaningful times where we can interact with one another and engage with one another. We're getting about a half hour a day with our family. More than, more than half the parents in the same survey said they get at most 12 date nights a year. And if you got two, two three little, little ones running around your house, you'd, you'd murder somebody for 12 date nights a year. You'd love it. But that's not very much one-on-one -on -one time. And get this, 65% said that when they were on a date, they also had to run errands and do chores. So we're not spending a lot of time together as a family. And it's ruining, ruining the harmony in our homes. Can I tell you that time is important for the harmony and happiness of your home? Time is important for communication. Time is important for intimacy. Time is important for understanding one another and relationship building and joy and happiness. One study found this, I love this, that people who spend quality time with their spouse at least once a week were three and a half times more likely to report being very happy in the relationship compared to those who didn't, who spent quality time with their spouse at least one time a week, one time a week. Time matters so much to the happiness and the harmony of our home. And hear me, God even thinks how you manage your time is important. 
God is concerned with how we spend our time. How we spend our time will directly affect the happiness and harmony of our home. So here's what I want to do. I want to help us free up some time today. Did you know that time management is a godly principle that God is concerned that you not waste your time, that you not waste your energy, that you carve out that time for your family? And he talks about it in Ephesians chapter 5. So will you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles or maybe you're watching online. Ephesians chapter 5. Look, if you will, be at verse number 15. Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to Reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. Here we find in Ephesians chapter 5 a whole passage on time, time management. Let me run it through you quickly and make some observations. He starts off in verse number 15. Pay careful attention to how you live. Pay careful attention to how you live. Can I say this this morning? Hear me that life isn't meant to be a haphazard affair that you figured out as you go. As a matter of fact, he said this, be not unwise but be wise meaning unwise there means somebody that doesn't understand how important life really is make the most of your time which means uh, some translations translate as redeeming the times it means to buy back time redeem your time here's what uh, the writer was telling us to collect as much time as you can why because the days are evil The days don't like to cooperate with your desire to make the most of it. And so he said, don't be foolish. The word foolish there in the Greek is a great word. The definition of the word literally means this. Moral stupidity in action is the definition. Do not be stupidity in action. Oh, what should I do? You understand what the will of the Lord is. We're going to talk about it. That God has a plan for your life and for your time. For you and I to make the most of it. And then he goes on in verse number 18. He says, don't get drunk with wine where it is excessed. Reckless living. Be filled with the spirit. That wasting your life is not part of God's plan. Hear me, Christian, this morning. If you're watching online, Russell, here, listen to me. Nothing should take control of the Christian's life apart from the spirit of God. And hear me, if you're out of control, then the devil is in control. If you are out of control, then the devil is in control in your life. And that's why Paul said in verse 18, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the spirit of God. If you're out of control, the devil is in control. And then he goes on to talk about what being filled with the Spirit looks like. He lists some attributes of being filled with the Spirit. Praise to the Lord. Thanksgiving to God. Submission to authority. And get this, right after verse 21, he launches into that famous Ephesians chapter 5 passage 
on marriage and family. It, all, it goes all the way into Ephesians chapter 6. So God starts off this passage on family with time management, verse 15. Believe it or not, all of this, even in verse 19, 20, 21, they help with time management. All of that ties into our ability to get more time for our family, that we ought to prioritize our time so that we can invest it into our marriage and invest it into our family. So can I tell you what God would say to us? Can I sum up these verses right here and can I tell you where the time goes? How do you make the most of your time? Let me give you five things and write them down if you're taking notes. Number one, God would have you know this, make the most of your life. Make the most of your life. Here's what, here's what God's trying to tell you that Paul told us this, pay very careful attention to how you live. Here's what Paul said, be wise with your life, be wise with your life. Here's the deal. God has a great big old plan for your life so that you can live life to the fullest and life to the best for him. Hear me, look this way, look at me. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for all of us and God's plan for our lives is for us to maximize our life and to live it the best it can be lived to the fullest and the best for Jesus. God means for your life to count, not to just exist. You say, preacher, I'm no consequence to God. Oh, I disagree. I don't care who you are, what you got going on, or where you've been, and what you've had going on. Hear me. God has a plan for your life to make your life count no matter what. And too many of us are spending most of our lives simply existing. Here's what God was trying to say in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16 that don't throw your life away. Don't be unwise. Don't don't give away what God has a big plan for in your life. Don't settle for for less than anything other than God's best for your life, that you are to live out, here's a good way to look at it, to live out every role you have to its fullest potential. To live out every role in life you have to its fullest potential. What does that look like? Well, let me give you some of the roles, and I'll just speak in the masculine, and then ladies, we can apply it to you as well. For example, if you're a child of God, you're a Christian God doesn't mean for you to just exist as a Christian, which by the way, can we be honest, it's how most of us operate. Most of us are glad we're saved, we're glad to go to heaven, we're glad to be in church, but we're just existing as a Christian. We're not maximizing our potential as a child of God. We're not maximizing our potential as somebody that's been saved. We're not living life to the fullest as a Christian. We're just kind of hanging out in Christian circles. And Paul says that's unwise. Paul says that's wasting your life. Make the most of your life. You are a child of God. You can live life to the fullest for Jesus. That is go all in as a child of God. But hey, look, you're, you're a husband or, or can we say a, a wife? You, you translate it into your role. And too many of us as a husband, we're just existing we felt like the, the party was over once we walked down the aisle and got married, like we're checked that off the list, next, and we'll move. No, no, 
No, he, see, God, the way God intends for life to be, and he, by the way, he goes on and talks about it, God intends for you men to be the best husband you can possibly be, that you're to live life to the fullest as a husband, that you're to go all in as a husband. Instead, instead of getting up every day and just being ho-hum about being your wife's husband, you should get up every day and say, how can I, with the help of God, be the best husband I can possibly be today, the best wife I can possibly be today. Uh, let me keep going. For a lot of people, you're a father, or you're a mother. The same question applies. How can I live life to the fullest to be the best father, the mother I can be? The list goes on and on. Maybe you're a son or you're a daughter. Hey, maybe for the Lord, maybe you're a Sunday school teacher, maybe you're a greeter, uh, maybe you sing in, in whatever you do. Maybe you work in kids. Maybe you work in, in, in students. How can you say, how can I maximize that role so that I'm being the most effective I can be as a child of God? Well, then maybe you're an employee. Maybe you're a business owner. Hey, I, I don't care. The, the roles vary from person to person. But here's what I'm saying, that you have a role in life. And here's what God would say to you. Make the most of your life. Don't ever settle or give up on the job. We only get to pass through this life once. And Paul's trying to tell you to make the most of your life while you're here. You may only be a blip on the screen of existence, but you can make a difference that lasts for generations. I saw this graphic the other day. This is humanity today and humanity past. You don't, you don't have to understand all of this, but, but this is all the people who have ever lived and you can't see it really good here, but there's little bitty dots. Zoom in, guys, on this camera. Zoom in a little bit right here. I want to see these dots if they can. It's all right if they don't see me. Y'all zoom in. There you go. Zoom in. Zoom in. There you go. See that graphic? See those little dots? That represents 10 million people. These are the ones that are being born and alive. These are the ones that are getting close to death. And now down here, these are the ones that already lived. All right, you can zoom out on it now. Look, 10 million people. And I looked at that and I thought... We're right here in this little sea of green of people that are alive right now. Each dot represents 10 million people. How can I make a difference? How can I in this sea? But here's what I want to know. Jesus would tell you this. Leave it all on the field. Here, here's what we mean by that. Jesus would say, attack the role you have and you can make a difference. Think through the roles you have in life right now. You may only be a dot on the screen, but hear me. Every one of us can make a difference for the kingdom of God if we'll dedicate ourselves to make the most out of our lives. You've got one shot. Leave it all on the field. I love that expression. We've been, NFL drafts have been going on this week. And um, I know it's not actually a sport, but it feels like it is one and and me and my son-in-laws, and we've been texting back and forth about the NFL draft and who the Falcons are getting and all that. That phrase, leave it on the field, comes from the NFL. It goes all the way back to 1961. And it was first used in an article on an NFL game where the Giants beat the Eagles. And the author said this about the Giants. They left it all on the field. 
Here's what that meant. Leaving it all on the field meant they gave maximum effort. Maximum effort. Can I tell you this morning that God wants you to leave it all on the field and to make the most out of your life? You know what God wants you to do? God wants you to give maximum effort. If you'll do that in your family, you'll have the best family imaginable. I mean, can, can we be honest for a second? Can we be honest? How many dads are leaving it all on the field and giving maximum effort? How many husbands are leaving it all on the field and giving maximum effort? How many moms are leaving it all on the field and giving maximum effort? How many wives are leaving it all on the field and giving maximum effort? How many teenagers are leaving it all on the field and giving maximum effort? Give maximum effort. And when you do, God was saying you can make the most of your life. Let me ask you, are you giving maximum effort? I'm afraid even among Christians, we're okay as a husband or a wife just not doing anything stupid. We're not, we're not trying to be great as a husband. I mean, what, what if you tried today to be the best husband you could possibly be? What if you tried today to be the best wife you could possibly be? What if you tried today to be the best Christian you could possibly be? That's called making the most of your life. That if you have a role in this life, whatever your roles are, I pray through mine every day. I've got about 15 roles in life. I pray, pray through every single day of my life. And I'm wondering if I give them all maximum effort, maybe I could make the most out of my life. Are you making the most out of your life? Are you giving maximum effort to where God's placed you and what God has called you to do? You say, preacher, I, I don't, where are you going to find time to make the most? I barely have time to be, a, to be a decent husband, let alone a leave it all on the field husband. I barely have time to be a decent wife, let alone be one that leaves it all on the field. Well, that leads me to the second thing Paul would have you know, and that's this, make the most of your minutes. Yes, make the most of your life, but number two, make the most of your minutes. That if you're going to make the most of your life, God knows that you have to make the most of your minutes. Uh, Paul said that, making the most of your time, making the most of your minutes. And let me give you a statement, write this one down. You cannot maximize your life and minimize your minutes. You cannot maximize your life and minimize your minutes. You have to make the most of your time. There's something to an organized life that brings freedom to be the best you can be. So that means this. If you want to make your life count, then you've got to make your minutes and your days count. If you want to make your life count, you've got to make your minutes and your days count. What does that mean? It means you need to operate off some kind of schedule. It means you need to use some kind of calendar. It means that you need to organize every role and aspect you can. And your family will benefit from you getting your act together. 
We waste so much time. As a matter of fact, for most people in the room, the devil's not going to get you to fall into wicked sin. Here's how the devil's going to ruin your life. He's going to get you to waste your minutes. This is a prayer I pray every day. I've prayed it for years for myself. That I knew the devil is attacking my minutes. And I pray every day, Lord, help me to redeem the time. Maximize the time. Not waste my time. Make the most of my time. I pray it every day. Because we waste so much time. Did you know this? That Americans spend two and a half days a year looking for lost items? Two and a half days a year? What are we looking for? Here's the list. TV remotes, cell phones, car keys, glasses, shoes, wallets, purses. A lot of female intensive items on here I'm noticing. Well, we, we, sp- we spend, spend two and a half days a year just looking for things we've lost. By the way, that's just one person. I don't know about you, when somebody loses something in my house, it's all hands on deck. And get this, we waste $2.7 billion a year in America buying things we've misplaced, buying things we've lost. Listen, you organize your life and it'll, it will benefit your family and it'll directly reduce the tension in your home and it will allow harmony and happiness to happen. I'll give you a personal example. I've been blessed. I've been a pastor. Let's see. I started being a pastor in 1996. My oldest daughter was six. My youngest daughter was two. And so I've always gone to church early. I haven't minded that at all. I got this morning here at 6.15 or so this morning. Uh, I normally always got to church an hour or so before it starts to spend time in prayer, get ready for the day, that kind of thing. But it meant I left my two girls and my wife at home alone early in the morning and get ready for church. Now, it wasn't always as smooth as what it eventually was. There was a time, and I'll back you up and tell you how it worked, that my, my wife and my girls would come home from church on Sunday afternoons. And uh, back then it was dresses and hair bows and Sunday shoes and tights. And my wife would always say to my little daughter, Michaela, she would be three or four years old. And she would say to Michaela, Michaela, go put your Sunday shoes up in your closet. And Michaela's version of putting her Sunday shoes up in her closet was to take her shoes off, go somewhere near her bedroom and do this with her shoes. And next Sunday morning, Sherry would be looking for her Sunday shoes. I'll skip the details of what happened at home. But they'd show up. Michaela would be red-eyed and blurry. Sherry would be red-eyed and blurry. And say, what's happening? Sherry would call me sometimes. She'd say, we're not coming to church this morning. We're not going to make it. I said, why are you not coming to church? We can't find her shoes. I don't know. where. We found one. We found one. That was always the story. We found one. I was shouldn't the other one be with it? It should be, Joel, but you know how she does. We found one shoe. And they'd come, of course, without shoes on, but they'd come. They'd come to church. And finally, my wife one day said, I'm not doing this anymore. She said, I'm going to get everything ready and organized 
the night before. You say, well, I've, well, it takes a minute sometimes to figure stuff out. I thought it was the most brilliant idea I'd ever heard. And so they'd find it. No, so you know when we dealt with the shoe issue, we'd deal with it 24 hours before we needed to deal with it. So you know what? On Sunday morning when they got up, life was organized and ready to go. And hear me, you could make the most of your minutes. You're thinking, does a few minutes here and there really matter? Minutes add into hours and hours into days and days into months and months into years. And did you know that even a slight improvement in managing your time can yield great kingdom effects for your family, great kingdom effects for your life. So plan to make the most of your minutes. Work on your time management skills. Work on organizing your life. Hear me, that is a godly exercise for your life. Ask yourself, how organized are you as a husband? How organized are you as a wife? You say, well, preacher, you're trying to take all the fun out of it. No, I'm trying to build fun back into your life. If your hectic, out-of-control lifestyle is ruining your family's happiness and harmony, you've got to do something about it. And you'll do something about it when you make the most of your minutes. Number three, I've got to preach faster. Number three, you'll have to fight for your freedom. See, if you, if you make the most of your life, if you make the most of your minutes, and you start maximizing your life, and you start maximizing your minutes... Can I tell you something this morning you need to hear? It will not be easy to make it happen. You know why? The Bible says this. Man, it's a great verse. The days are, say it with me, evil, evil, evil. Do you know what that means? That means that the devil will fight you getting organized. That's how you know, that's how you know it, it'll have a kingdom effect. Because your de- the devil will fight you from getting your life together. The devil will fight you from maximizing your life and maximizing your minutes. Here's what the devil knows. That if he can't get you to fall in some kind of wicked sin, he, and we'll talk about that, he'll get you then to just waste your life one minute at a time. It's his plan. It's literally the devil's plan is to get you so disorganized, so chaotic, that he can waste your life one minute at a time. The devil will fight you. He's evil. The world will fight you. They're evil. And by the way, can I tell you this? You will fight you. And can I tell you this? Monday will fight you. You can have great pans on Sunday. But as we say in grammar school, Monday will beat the snot out of you when you get there on Monday. The days are evil. It's all we can do to stay focused Making the most of your life and make the most of your time. Did you know this? I love this stat because, man, I say, oh, me. The average person mind wanders 47% of the time. That's why I have to preach an hour this morning just so you'll hear 30 minutes of what I'm saying. Your mind wanders 47% of the time. So half the time you're doing one thing, 
you're thinking about something else. And so here's what I tell you. You will have to fight for the freedom. That's the constant fight you'll be up against to find freedom and organize your life and make the most of your time. But hear me, fight the fight. It is worth it. The fight is worth it for your family's harmony. The fight is worth it for your family's happiness. Yes, you'll have to fight for the freedom, but fight the fight. And it's never going to get easier, by the way. The days are always going to be evil. The devil's always going to be evil. He's always going to get you to try to waste your life one minute at a time. Number four, Paul said this too, though. It goes along with it. Number four, don't throw your life away. Can Can I tell you this? That, that the devil will attack you two primary ways. And Paul talks about them both right here. Both of them will waste your life. He'll try to get you to waste your life one minute at a time. Or he'll get you to throw your life away. Right in the middle of a passage on time management and the family. Paul said this. God said this. Don't be drunk with wine. Which leads to reckless living. But be filled with the Spirit. Do you know you can absolutely throw your life away by wasting it on things that don't matter? Now, listen, we love to tell our teenagers that, and we love to tell our college students that, and we love to tell our young adults that. that you, but listen, all of us need to heed it this morning. You can throw your life away. It's one thing to waste it. It's another thing to throw it away. And here's what Paul's saying. Hear me? I didn't say it. God said it. Alcohol is one of the ways to throw your life away. I, look, I dug into it a little bit studying for this sermon that the medical, and I'm not going to give you all that. I just decided not to, but the, the medical field is full of studies that show alcohol contributes to cognitive decline and even so much more so the older we get. In other words, did you know science says that drinking makes you dumb? Now, you may not like that. I'm just telling you what the science says. Can we all agree to this? Alcohol doesn't make you smarter? I've never met anybody that said, man, I was just a raving idiot. I drank a six-pack the other day, and all of a sudden I was able to do math I'd never done before in my life. All of a sudden the theory of relativity made all kinds of sense to me. Now, I've seen people act like that, but I've never seen it actually happen. And Paul said, alcohol will throw your life away. And I tell you, no family in the world, no family in the history of the world has ever benefited from alcohol. Don't throw away your life for that. I love the, well, preacher, I'm not addicted. I don't get drunk. I can stop anytime I want to. Good, stop. Prove me. Prove it. Stop right now. But that's not, I read this study. I read this study a long time ago, and I, I saved it. I thought, I don't know what I'll ever do with that, and I'm glad I did. Because did you know this? They did a survey, and the average Californian, now, don't, let's not knock them. We're no better would be willing to gain 14 more pounds before they'd cut back on alcohol. 14 pounds. You'd be willing to put on 14 more pounds, ruin your health, all right? Well, let's not knock Californians because the average Rhode Islander would be willing to gain 28 more pounds. Now now we're getting serious. 
28 more pounds before you'd even cut back on alcohol. And then finally, this, this is my favorite one in a sad way. That the average American, the average American, American, not California, the liberal left, not Rhode Island, the liberal north, the average American, all of us together, would be willing to trade three years of their lives in order to keep drinking. Three years of your life. Don't throw your life away. That's three years of your life you can make a difference for the glory of God. That's three years of your life you could see people come to Christ. That's three years of your life to influence your, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren for the cause of Christ. And listen to me. It's not just alcohol. It's anything that causes you to waste your life. Get rid of it. Whatever it is, hear me. It is a drain on your family. Y'all all right? Everybody watching online, you can turn it back on right now, all right? Number five. Come back from the kitchen. Number five. I'm finished. Paul said this. You want to make the most of your life? Paul said this. Put God at the top of the list. If you've heard me this morning, you're going to go home sometime this weekend and you're going to maximize your life. You're going to start organizing your life. You're going to get organized. You're going to get on some kind of calendar. You're going to start planning things out. You're always, and by the way, here's a theory in life I have. I don't even have this in my notes. It's just my theory. I told my wife the other day, I, seen, I see the way multiple people operate and here's the way I operate. And I think it's benefited me. So hear me because it, it's really the flip of a switch and you can do it too. I always do the hard work up front so it's easier on the back end. Does that make sense? I do the hard work up front so that it's easy on the tail end of it. Hard work up front, easy on the tail Even, for example, getting, getting ready for church. Everything I need ready for church is laid out the night before. I do the hard work up front so in the mornings I just get up and boom, I'm, I can get out the door. I do every, every area of my life is built that way. I can't help it. It's the way my brain works. I've programmed myself to be that hard work up front. And by the way, it's a good lesson for you. Hard work up front, easy on the back end. Hard work up front, easy on the back end. So you, 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 you're going home and you're going to start organizing your life. Hard work up front, easy on the back end. And, and here, here's what God concluded with. Verses 19, 20, and 21. Here's what God was trying to say. You're going to organize your life? Great. Put God at the top of the list. Here's what he said. Be filled with the Spirit. Be involved with your church. Have a daily walk with Jesus. And live a life of thanksgiving and praise. Filled with the Spirit. Involved with your church. A daily walk with Jesus, a life of thanksgiving and praise. Close your Bibles, I'm finished. Close your Bibles. Putting God first in your family benefits you. Putting God first in your life benefits you and your family. Daily walk with God, engaged at the church, thanksgiving and praise. Keep your family serious. Now, somebody will hear this sermon and they'll say, uh, Preacher, you know what, you're right. I got to carve out time for my family. We're going to start going to the lake on Sundays for family time. That's why point number five is in here, by the way. But learn this statement. The Lord is not meant to be sacrificed on the altar of your family, and the family is not meant to be sacrificed on the altar of the world. The Lord is not meant to be sacrificed on the altar of your family, and the family is not meant to be sacrificed on the altar of the world. Our problem is not we're doing so much for the church or the family. Our problem is we're doing too much in the world. But if you'll put God at the top of the list, 
it really buys time back and it buys back harmony and happiness for your home. Stand with me. Let me give you some, let me give some stats as you're standing. Here's what we learn about Thanksgiving. Just one aspect of what Paul said do. Keep a gratitude diary for two weeks produces sustained reductions in stress and depression. And uh, according to healthcare practitioners, gratitude is related to 23% lower levels of stress hormones. That two gratitude activities, counting your blessings and a letter, reduce the risk of depression in at-risk patients by 41% over a six-month period. That's just one thing God said do, gratitude. gratitude. You put God at the top of your list, harmonious and happiness will come back to your home. So here, how do I sum all this up? You make the most of your life. You make the most of your minutes. You'll have to fight for that freedom, but don't throw it away and put God at the top. Number one, get serious about your marriage and family. I love that. Don't do anything half-hearted. Leave it all on the field. Give it all to God. Make the most of your role. Organize the chaos of your home. Brian Tracy said this, every minute you spend planning saves 10 minutes in execution. Get rid of anything that could hinder your family, your walk with God, and start your to-do list with God and the church. Would you bow your heads with me across the room? Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message. And man, our time is valuable. In fact, it's the most valuable commodity we possess. And um, how we spend our time matters. Uh, we talked about finances last week and how everything belongs to God and He gives us some. Our time as followers of Jesus belongs to God. And what an important reminder for that as it applies to our family and how important it is for us to prioritize our family and spend time with them um, the way God would have us do. Hey, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've never had a time in your life where you um, understood that you're a sinner and you have offended God. You've never believed that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and rose again the third day, and you've never confessed Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. The truth is we're all sinners. Um, and Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. The blood that He shed covers all your sins. The ones you did in the past, the ones you did this morning, and the ones you'll do in the future. If you've never given your heart and life to Christ, but God's spoken to you this morning, tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I'm asking you through the power of the Holy Spirit to come take up residence in my heart. Lord, take away my sin. Be my Savior. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to say welcome to the family. We want to connect with you, and we want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so if you would, click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ, and we are going to um, send you a booklet in the, in the mail and make ourselves available to you to help you on this journey with Jesus. Hey, it's been awesome uh, to worship together online this morning. I'm thankful for our time together each week. God bless you. Can't wait to see you next week. 
We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.